your host over here, Bruna, and I got a special invitation for you. Join me and the Changemakers in the No More Boxes movement, where we are raising awareness towards this limiting and isolating behavior that we human beings are constantly doing, placing ourselves and others into boxes, invisible boxes that so often are not really serving humankind. All you have to do is to go to patreon.com forward slash no more boxes and for as little as $3 a month, you can become a change maker and be with us on that journey, changing the world. Now let's get on with that podcast. You're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast, where we share tips, insight, tools, and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yes, do you feel powerful? Do you feel powerful? Do you feel powerful? That was the thing that came up for me when I met our guest today, Tim Matthews. He is the power man. And I remember the first time I met him, I thought to myself, hmm, power man and being powerful. Am I being here strapped into a box of what it means to be a man? Or is this something that has nothing to do with the gender of being a man. And I just had to get Tim as a guest on our podcast. And here he is. Welcome, Tim Matthews. <laughs> wow. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. This is going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. As you know, I'm on a mission. I'm basically on a mission. I just think there is way too much that connects us humans together than divides us and it's what is dividing us and making us feel isolated and lonely and not belonging and all of that are some of these invisible boxes and i think the more that i think about being a man in the today's world i think there are so many boxes there that are stopping men from being fully who they are whether it's they want to see that as being a masculine man or a feminine man or whatever you want to what label you want to put onto it what is your view on that Tim? Mm, yeah I totally agree I mean you know there's one stat that comes to mind that says it all isn't it and that is you know suicide is the biggest killer in men right now I think aged 29 to 45 it's somewhere within that age group but you know that's that's irrespective of the age the point is it's the, the number one killer and in my experience, you know, we've worked with hundreds of men by this point, all of them, you know, they all tend to be entrepreneurs, but I think that it still translates to the guys in, in a corporate world or the jobs or stay at home fathers or whatever it is, it's masculinity in general. And that question is something that is often very lost on them. You know, it weighs heavy on them. You know, one, one of the ways that I always like to consider it is, if you think about tribes, you know, you think about any, any tribe in the world, wherever, wherever it is, there's a rite of passage in becoming a man, isn't there? And that rite of passage will happen at a certain age. And usually the boy will go through a certain series of exercises 
And if he successfully completes them, then he will be given manhood. And when he is given manhood, that means that he will then take on a certain role with certain values and certain responsibilities. And his whole perception of who he is and how he shows up in the world shifts. And in my experience, from what I see, oh, and you know, myself included for a long time in my life, we just become a man by default. And we often then start to live our life and create things based on what we think we should do due to what it means to be, quote-unquote, a man. Strong, persevered, don't be a pussy, don't cry, don't be a girl. All these things. Uh, When we work with the men, they come to us very lost, very confused, overwhelmed, unfulfilled, numb, And it's because they've been living these ideals and they've been living them for a few decades and they've reached a point in their life where they realize, shit, this isn't working for me. Mm -hmm. I thought the money was going to be the answer, so I go and make loads of money and the more money I make, the worse I feel. The bigger the void in their life becomes. They thought that women were going to be the answer, so they'll put their self-worth on being able to attract women and often they have a, you know, they ruin relationships in the process. And whether it's alcohol, drugs, fitness, you'll see a lot of guys wearing a mask of you know, going to the gym and working out and looking really strong physically. But again, it's just a mask for the, for the pain they're feeling inside. So that question, Runa, is something that is definitely a prominent one right now. Mm-hmm. And one that I think a lot of men are searching for the answers for. Often they're doing it behind closed doors because, again, they don't even want to admit that they're searching for the answer to that question because that in itself would look weak or they'd then be admitting defeat. Mm. Yeah. This sounds to me like you yourself have gone through a, a huge transformation in your own life, unlocking, opening up for boxes that you, it seems to me at least, that you've been in an ugly box that wasn't really serving you. Can, are you willing to share with us what happened? How did you yeah. wake up? Uh, I'm still waking up. (laughs) So basically, I'll be 33 in a few weeks. And four years ago, more or less around this time of year, it's August right now, I was engaged due to get married. And we booked a wedding and we'd bought the house, a big four-bedroom detached home fit for a family of four, five, six, whatever. And my life was a pattern of stress, struggle and sacrifice, really, if I'm honest. And everywhere I turned, I was putting out fires. I was putting out fires in my business. I was attracting problem clients. I was undercharging for my services. I was doing everything myself. My team was in complete disarray. My relationship was a complete sham. We'd booked the wedding. We'd bought the house. We'd got engaged. All when I knew it didn't feel right. I was getting robbed of tens of thousands in a bad business deal that I knew I should never have gone into, but I went into it out of neediness and desperation. My health was completely up and down. I'd recently almost died from taking too many drugs. And I was really running from the reality of what my life was. I had a history years before that I've been a serial cheat, to be honest. Uh, put myself work and been able to attract women. And it cost me my relationships. And I met uh, one of my closest friends now, a guy called Tom Croshaw, uh, more or less four years ago. 
And he was working his business online, working it from anywhere in the world, earning more money, helping more people. And he was a real wake-up call because in that, up until that point, I didn't know anyone in personal development, quote-unquote. I was very much on my own. I'd listen to audio books, read a few books, but this guy was like the real life living proof of everything I knew to be possible. And so that was the first slap around the face or wake up call, if you will. And the second one came shortly after it because about a week or so after that, my mum and dad were about to put, I don't know, 10, 15,000 pounds down on the wedding that, I, that they'd never get back. And I just knew that the wedding was going to end in divorce. I just knew it. And I couldn't go through with it. <clears throat> I, just, I just couldn't I couldn't do that to them. Uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, what would I have done if it was my own money? Uh, but <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, I called off the wedding. I ended the relationship. I didn't move into the house. We had a franchise at that time in the business. I got rid of all the franchisees. I got rid of the business partner that I had, moved out of the offices that we were renting, moved back home with my parents, and I started to do it my way for the first time ever, which was just following my gut instinct because for all my life, I had ignored it because of the boxes that I was wanting to fit into. And really, my perseverance was my badge of honor. You know, I used to take pride in how hard I could work, you know, 15, 16 17 hours a day. I can literally remember speaking to someone and saying, I've worked 22 hours today. Like it was a, you know, a badge. Yeah. I realized that the reason why I was ignoring my instinct was purely because I didn't, I was afraid of it. It was always leading me down a path to do things that I was too afraid to do because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel good enough. So I went with the easy option, which created all the chaos in my life. I didn't used to express my emotion. I'd, I'd bury it. I'd push it down. There were so many things that, so many boxes that I was layering on top of myself. And it was, it was chaos, to be honest. It was chaos. And it's interesting to hear that when you started to listen to your intuition, you really took a leap. I mean, this is quite something to not only a call of the wedding, but getting rid of your business partners, getting rid of your office, you know, you just totally transform your life. How did it feel at that time? If you take us through that time and, you know, did you always feel like, okay, this, you, did you ever get that feeling of what the F am I doing? That feeling was more so in my life before I made all those decisions. That was a kind of feeling that was there before I proposed. Yeah. That was a kind of feeling that was there before we bought the house. That was a feeling that was there before I booked the wedding. When I went into the, that's the feeling I'd been living with for all those years. And I'd been been ignoring it because of neediness and desperation and not feeling good enough. So when I took that first leap and called off the wedding, I just reached breaking point, to be honest, in the relationship. The relationship was very abusive, verbally, mentally, sometimes physically, you know, and I just, I stayed in it because I tolerated it because I just didn't feel like anybody else would want me. I didn't realize that that was the reason at the time, but when I actually surrendered to the reality and the truth of what I was feeling, that was what it was. And that was the first one I did. The first step was to end end the wedding, and it was scary. It did take me a few weeks to really draw a line in it. At first, I didn't move into the house. At first, we were having time apart, and then you know we were 
I can remember distinctly this one evening, I've never actually shared this, this one evening we were getting all the things out of the apartment that we lived in and, you know, when I'd not moved into the house, I'd also blocked my ex-girlfriend's phone number, I'd blocked her on social media and I just didn't want to see her because I just required some space. Mm. And a few weeks later, I had to go to the apartment to move some stuff out and I think she was either there or she met me there, I can't remember. And we're having discussions around, you know, is this really what I want? It wasn't, you know, she obviously didn't want it. She wanted to stay together. Mm. And I can remember just being there with her and I was just crying. Um, And I think it was sad. There was sadness there, but it also, I think there was sadness. I think there was a relief. I think there was a whole mixture of emotions. and. Yeah, I just stayed true to the decision, and it was a really, it was a really poignant moment because a lot of things inside of my, my head was screaming at me to just so much doubt, so much confusion, mm. but I just couldn't back away from what felt right, and I just stayed with it. And it was really interesting because up until that point, all the conversations we'd had were more like arguments; they weren't conversations. Yeah, and that one on the bed, just laid there together. And for me, it was like a goodbye kind of thing. Yeah. And I'd made my mind up by that point. And when I left, that was completely done then. So, so yeah, it was scary. To, you know, all these decisions that I made took place over about six months. They, were, they weren't all instant. First, it was a relationship. Then it was the house. And then it was the business partner. Then it was the franchisees. And, you know, so, you know, there was one at a time. It's not like I did them all at once. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was looking back. I didn't know it at the time, but obviously looking back, it was a period of of cleansing, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it all just came about from follow, just trusting what felt right. And the more I did it, the better it felt. The more I built the trust, and the more simple my life became. Mm. I can remember having nothing in a lot of respects. Moving back home with my parents. Um taking a hit financially and all sorts. And I kind of had nothing, but I also felt the happiest that I ever felt. Wow. Because I was just completely being me. Completely being you. And it sounds to me as well, what you were doing, you were creating space for the real you to come out. It sounds to me like you didn't have space for that. You were so filtered. No, yeah, completely. There was no space at all. I can remember picking my ex up from work sometimes and she'd get into my car and I'd be listening to an audio book and she'd just start going, oh, oh, disgusting. What's this? Oh, turn it off. Hmm. I was like, really? And I just, it's just an example of the fact there was no space for me to yeah. be me. And yeah, it was that talk about boxes. Yeah, there was a complete box around me and I persevered with it for well, 28, 28 years of my life. Exactly. And now that you're working with men worldwide, helping them, what do you see as the most common, let's use challenge for them to, to take the step to open up for themselves? Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's a few. One of them is the pace of life that they live with. They live too yeah. fast and too hard. Yeah. When you're living so fast and so hard, it's very difficult to actually feel fulfilled or feel loved because everything's something to do and 
nothing's anything to be. Yeah. So the pace of life that they've been indoctrinated into living based on what it means to be a man and what it is means to be, I was there, you know, mm. what it means to be successful. That's one thing. The second thing is that they just don't know how to feel. They just don't know how to navigate their emotions. They often have been in an environment where they didn't get a great deal of love from the father. And they often didn't feel like their voice mattered and they felt quite lost with their emotions because on one hand they've got, don't be a girl, don't cry, man up, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, they've got, don't show off, don't be arrogant, don't be all this. It's kind of like, hmm, well, who am I supposed to be? Yeah. And as a result, they just thrust themselves into business in order to prove themselves and gain significance only to realize when they get the success that nothing's changed. If anything, they feel worse. They don't feel proud. They don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel happy. So they don't feel excited. There's no passion in their life. So feeling, and when I say feeling, it's two avenues really, expression and receiving. They don't know how to do those two things. They don't know how to receive. Even a compliment, mm-hmm. they'll look wow. away or they'll brush it off or whatever. Yeah. They'll change the subject or move on to the next thing. And the final thing I'd say is for these guys, what is the, the final thing? Nature, mm. I would say. All the guys have got a really deep connection with nature. All humans do. Mm-hmm. And whenever we're reconnecting with nature, and what, how we, the way in which we do that is the retreats that we run are always in the middle of nature. Mm-hmm. No, no other houses around, no mobile signal, and they with a reconnect, and they feel so grounded and energized, and you know, and they realize, oh fuck, wow, I used to love being out in nature, mm-hmm. and, it's, and that then starts a domino effect of other things they used to love to do, yeah, and then start loving, start doing them again, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say it's a combination of those things. Yeah, and isn't it interesting? You might have been really struggling to to be more and have more and and all of those doing things, and then really what was what was all about was to be and this the 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 beauty of simplicity, the beauty of silence, the beauty of nature, the beauty of just being and yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think if we and now I'm talking about myself yet, just as much as I think I'm my audience. Uh, the the importance to look at people as who they are, no no matter which container they are in. So there's a, a male container or a female container, and nowadays there are even uh, quite a bit of people that don't feel that they belong to either. But vast majority feel at least that they are either woman or a man. But nevertheless, if we would be able to look at people as human beings without those labels, I often wonder what that would look like and feel like and how we would treat each other. Mm. It starts with the person, doesn't it? We've got to see themselves mm. in that way. Yeah. For a lot of the men that we work with, they're, they're very, they've been in fear all their life. Yeah. And so they've often been showing up taking things and you know not in a in a mean way there's no malice to it but it's often a bit about what can they get and Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, how they see themselves completely and how they see the world as well because life wants you to win. And them getting them, their heads around that and actually understanding that life wants me to win and I have to fight for what I want and there's more than enough for me and for everybody and, mm. um, and them then embracing easy, it's, it's a big shift for them. Yeah, yeah. So from that note, then I can say that we're coming close to the end of, of this episode. I could probably talk to you forever about this, I think. <laughs> this angle to the gender box is so interesting. And so we need more discussions around that. But my question to you, Tim, at this point, what is the, the change that you want to see in your world? In my world, my mm. own personal world? Yeah, well, and your professional world. What is the thing that you would like to see differently as a man, as a, yeah, as a transformational leader? And what do you see as your role in order to create that change? More fun. You know, the, the curse of the achiever is dancing the line between constant and never-ending improvement and being fulfilled. Mm. That's the dance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah, being content with what you've got and really being grateful whilst also striving for more. And I think having fun really plays a big part in that. Mm. Going in your flow, having fun and racing mm. that, being in that high vibrancy state of mind. Mm. That is beautiful. Tim, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and for our listeners. Please go to runamagnus.com forward slash podcast to see all the notes and information about Tim and how you can contact him and become a powerful man. Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the change makers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world.